Hello, I am Sandra Ezekwesili, and you come to me for hard facts. The world keeps turning, and you're trying to keep up. The fight against coronavirus has the option. But there's so much noise drowning out the news. Talking heads, broadcast messages, press releases. They're telling you their side, but you just want the facts. And that's why you come to me. I give you the statistics without spin. Out of 116 million working age Nigerians, 35.5 million are employed full-time. That's 30%. I give you the context. I give you the history. I fight fake news with facts. Kayode. Okay? Let me talk. No, I will, I will let you talk. Kayode. Okay? Kayode, I will let you talk if you let me talk. Kayode. That's why more and more Lagosians are tuning in. Half a million Lagosians. 720,000. 970,000. Over 1 million Lagosians. They know that if you give me your afternoon, I will give you hard facts. I'm Sandra, Sandra Ezekwesili. And these are your hard facts. Hello Lagos, good afternoon. I am Sandra Ezekwesili and these are your hard facts. First hard fact of the day, congratulations to the Tigresses, our women's basketball team. They just won Afro Basket, that's the African Championship. Um, and they just won that for the fourth time in a row, four times. Guy, special shout out to the coach. Uh, Rena Wakama, she became the first woman to win Afro Basket as a coach. And she's just 31 years old. Hey, she took over the team one month ago. God damn. Amazing achievement for her and the players. So proud. People should give this country to young people. Let's run it. Eh? <laughs> Second hard fact of the day, the Super Falcons did not get past England in the round of 16 of the FIFA Women's World Cup. The match was goalless after extra time because more the girls showed England fire for fire. Pompa to pompa. But they shall lost on penalties 4-2. to two. Um, Still very proud of them. Super proud of the Falcons. Uh, well done to them. Better luck next time. Shout out to the Bolt driver who brought me to work this morning. Obu, I believe. Obu Oboro, I think that's his name. We were listening to, <laughs> listening to Nigeria Info. Listening to the match on Nigeria Info. And then after they had crossed over to extra time, that when they had to now play that um, 30 minutes, Minutes, my guy, he tuned out and we started listening to Don Moen. He was like, oh, Madam, the tension is too much. The tension is killing me. I was so amused. <laughs> It was such a nice experience um, listening to the match with him, rooting for the girls, praying for the girls as I was driving into work this morning. It just helped like remind me of some of the ways that we can all come together as community. And sports is one of those things that just like strips away all of the barriers between us as human beings and just gives us a common thing to root for. I, I really love that. And um, I hope you're having a good day, Mr. Wu, wherever you are at the moment. I've got a third hard fact for you Lagos the seven day ultimatum from ECOWAS to Niger Republic coup plotters expired yesterday 
What does that mean? We'll talk about that on today's big weekend. But uh, one million Lagosians listen to hard facts. They cannot be wrong. Welcome. If you're here for the first time, you're in great company. I've got a great show for you, starting with the big weekend. Let's talk about the Lagos State Government's findings on the death of Dr. Diaso. Then let's talk about the Senate's response to Tinubu's ECOWAS ultimatum request. And then let's talk about the Senate screening of Bosunti Jani. I'm sure that you followed that um, situation over the weekend. We'll talk about it. Or oh, Madam Landlord, let's talk about Oga Tenant inheriting electricity bills. We had this conversation two weeks ago, Madam Landlord. NERC says that it is illegal, but will that stop Madam Landlord? Tenant inheriting electricity bill. Will Madame Landlord change her ways? <laughs> On today's Big Heart Fact, we'll talk about the investigation into the sad terrible death of Dr. Diaso. We'll have her colleagues join us on Hard Facts at 5 o'clock. As usual, we'll have news updates at the top of the hour every hour. Before I hand you over to the newsroom for the newsroom, Lagos, I'm Sandra Ezequestili and these are your Hard Facts. ECOWAS responded properly to the Niger coup. Is the Lagos state government being transparent about the investigation into Dr. Diaso's death? Should Bosunti Jani have gotten as much scrutiny as he did compared to other nominees? It was a big weekend, Lagos. Let's talk. The Senate advised Bola Tinubu and ECOWAS to prioritize diplomacy in the Niger uh, coup crisis. Last week, Tinubu wrote to the Red Chamber asking for permission to close the border with our northern neighbor, turn off power supply, mobilize the armed forces. The Senate did not say no to the request, but they also did not say yes. Instead, they passed a resolution which they called a, quote, call on the president of the Federal Republic of Nigeria as the chairman of ECOWAS to further encourage other leaders of ECOWAS to strengthen political and diplomatic options and other means with a view to resolving the political impasse in Niger Republic, end quote. So as you see, the Red Chamber wants ECOWAS to exhaust all peaceful avenues before sending in troops or maybe even issuing sanctions. But sanctions have already been issued and ECOWAS has issued a seven-day ultimatum which expired yesterday, like I told you. So analysts are now asking, okay, well, if ECOWAS has forced its own hand and backed itself, backed itself into a corner, you, you know, because now if ECOWAS doesn't take action after giving an ultimatum, will they appear weak? Just before I stepped into the show, we had uh, the Italian PM saying to ECOWAS, oh, extend the ultimatum that you've given to Niger while talks continue. And this is why uh, this is why usually countries start with small actions and then they work their way up. In, diplom in diplomatic circles, they call it ratcheting up the pressure. You don't start with ultimatums. You usually start with negotiation and space. And then when you drop your first ultimatum, you link it to a small 
small increase in pressure, maybe some minor sanctions, you know. That way, you've shown the other country that you are ready to take even bigger action later. It's what, um, for those of you who follow history and follow American politics, it's what Teddy Roosevelt described as walk softly but carry a big stick. Aha, that's what this is. Do you think ECOWAS should have used this approach instead? Because now their ultimatum don't expire. And, um, you know, Niger is looking at them. Burkina Faso is looking at them. Mali is looking at them like, okay, are you going to do more than a hanging pant or not? The Office of uh, uh, the Office for Strategic Preparedness and Responsiveness (OSPRE) has warned against military intervention. By the way, they are a government think tank. Uh, think tank. So even the government's own experts, they are saying to the president, "Be careful." Their statement says, quote, a military intervention aimed at regime change in Niger is costly and infeasible and would lead to catastrophically counterproductive consequences for West Africa, end quote. So this uh, think tank, the Office for Strategic Preparedness and Responsiveness, they mention three risks. Number one, Niger Republic could pull out of the Joint Task Force. Number three, uh, Nigerians in Niger could become refugees. N sorry, that's number two. Number three, instability in Niger could affect the entire region. So OSPR mentions three risks if we go ahead with this. First, Niger Republic could pull out uh, of the Joint Task Force. Then Nigerians in Niger could become refugees. Then instability in Niger could affect the entire region. That's what they are analyzing. What do you think about that analysis? 0700-993-993-993-01465-7190. Meanwhile, Nigeria has closed its border. We're getting reports of some of our business people um, stuck on the other side of the border. So people like truck drivers, for instance. But yeah, lots of things happening in this crisis. Um, well, I'm going to keep bringing you updates as well. Don't forget, Thursdays at four now, we do a global review. It gives us an opportunity to uh, pay attention to what's happening in other parts of the world. But um Let's talk about what we know so far. 0700-993-993-993-993-01465-7190. Hello, thanks for calling us. Yeah, good morning. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. What's your name, sir? My name is Chief Larry. Welcome, Chief Larry. Talk to me. I, I think uh, it, it's just everything you analyze there, mm. that is what is going to happen. Okay. And it's most unfortunate that you have a government that never, in any form, you know, consider the interests of the people, you know, whenever they are taking decisions. You know, the, the, why should the, the president make such pronouncement, even as head of ECOWAS? This is our nearest neighbor. Right. And we know what we shared under his predecessor, you know, that made it so possible for so many Nigerians to have interest in Niger. Right. And this man never considered all, all those things before, you know, taking all these decisions with ECOWAS. And it's most unfortunate because whatever you put up there, both the interests of Nigerians there, and now you are saying that many of our people are stranded at the border. Right. We, we, we know what we suffered when our own borders were closed, you know, from Kotonou. Businessmen, 
many of us lost so many resources as a result of that particular singular decision. Right. That's a rational decision by the former government. And now this one has started his own again. Are we going to... I don't know why we must always tread towards this kind of... Uh, you know, having this kind of people at the helm of affairs. But it's most unfortunate. But I think the Senate has spoken and Nigeria has spoken collectively that we have no interest in the government going into any form of arrangement with ECOWAS to have war. Because we will carry all those things. You know, we always have this notion that, yes, the, 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 the giant of Africa, and they will leave everything for us. And at the end, Nigerians will be suffering. Look right. at the challenges we have here. You know, vis-a-vis whatever is on the table for him or whatever, whoever interests. Whoever is fighting in Nigeria is trying to make France to have a few days. And that's why they are pushing some of them. But with what is happening in Mali, you know, and other Burkina Faso, and the orientation of those young men there, I think Africa is heading somewhere. We have no reason to have any issue with Niger. All right. Thank you, Chief Larry, for calling. 99.3. Hello. Thanks for calling. What's your name, sir? Emeka, talk to me. In addition to what uh, the first caller, he just said everything. Mm. See, prior to this uh, pronouncement by ECOWAS, mm-hmm. it was said that we had about 300,000 refugees camped in Niger. Yes. You know, they are closed on the borders. I think we have about five states having borders with Niger. You know, well, that thing, like I said during uh, Joyce's uh, show, we should be looking at the reasons for the immediate and remote causes of this uh, military takeover in Africa. Okay. You know, because if ECOWAS leaders themselves are living up to democratic ideals, these coups will not be coming up. I am not a supporter of military coup. But then, if we want to practice democracy in Africa, let us practice it. If not, then let's choose whatever form of government we want to we want to we want to go with. I want to understand that international relations are not their permanent enemy, but permanent interest. Right. Our interest in the GMO must be protected because the past president, uh, Muhammad Buhari, did a lot of investments that will favor both countries, right. including rail line and all that. Mm-hmm. So I think that uh, pronouncement or deadline was done, it was too hasty. Hastily, right. So hasty, and I think it was part of Nigeria trying to massage uh, our bloated ego <laughs> as being the giant of Africa, which we are not. <laughs> we must look inwards. How many ECOWAS uh, pronouncements by the ECOWAS courts have these ECOWAS leaders adhered to? So there are reasons for all these things. And the Nigerians themselves are not complaining. The mm. majority of them are, are, are happy for what has happened. And I must commend the National Assembly for the first time they did something that I, I, I was surprised they did by standing down on that any attempt to uh, engage in any armed invasion. So we should try this caution and know that we are fighting a closed-on neighbor, which will not be an easy task to carry out. Mm. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much for calling us. Emeka from Satellite Town, 99.3. Hello. 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 Yes. How are you? Sorry about that. Call back if you can. 99.3. Hello. Hello. Thanks for calling. What's your name, sir? My name is Rose. Rose, welcome. I want to say... But I want to speak with you. Okay. Hello, ma. Hello, sir. How are you? I thank God for your good work you are doing. Thank you, sir. Talk to, what's your name, sir? Now, I am uh, the husband to Mamaro from uh, Alimojo. Okay. Now, as I am talking to you now, mm. and mm-hmm. our president has not paid us our pension salary. Today is seven. And he's, 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 he's talking about attending troops to uh, Niger. When elderly people are dying, 
Right now. Hello. I'm here. I'm listening. He has not paid us our salary. During the time of uh, his predecessor, mm. Buhari, mm -hmm. Buhari never suffered with uh, salary, uh, pension salary. Mm. As I'm talking to you now, there is no money with me now. Okay, what um, what uh, department? What uh, what ministry? Oh, oh yes, we are. Uh, uh, it's that appeal. We are we are uh, health sector. They okay. call us health sector. Okay. Federal government. Okay. Federal yeah, government. We, we work we are entire way at uh, legal right teaching hospital. So we are called health sector. Sector. Okay. Okay. And yes. pensions have not been paid from the, by the federal government for this by month for July. Now. July. Okay. Uh, do you people know why? Have they told you people why? Ah, we don't know. Nobody has told anything. Didn't you? Mm. Okay. So for us, for you who's a pensioner, you're now hearing that they want to. Uh, they're thinking about going to to do military going action in Niger. And find the world that does not consign them. Right. <laughs> when Nigerians are suffering, we are suffering. We are suffering. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, Rosie's husband, thank you so much for calling to share. Because at the end of the day, you know, it's about priorities. It's about how much money do you have and can you really spend the money to um, pursue uh, um, um, certain causes of action when there are a number of other uh, uh, paths to take, you know? 99.3. Hello. Hello, Sandra. Good evening. Good evening. Hi. Welcome. Talk to me. Yes, my name is Priscilla, coming from Yaba. Welcome, Priscilla, from Yaba. Please, Tulumbu should not go and fight Nijo uh, people. Okay. As I am now, I'm a graduate, I'm lying at home. Okay. Please, he shouldn't try it. Please, we are begging him more. Nigerians are suffering. Honestly, I came out with a good result. I have no job. I am sitting at home. You can hear my voice. I'm lying down. Mm. It's because of Discord that wake me up. Mm. Please, you shouldn't try it. Nigerians are suffering. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much for calling. Now, if you just tuned in, Lagos, you're wondering what we're talking about. I started today's big weekend with um, news from the Senate. It's just advised Bola Tinubu and ECOWAS to prioritize diplomacy in the Niger coup crisis. Tinubu wrote to them last week asking for permission to close the border with our northern neighbor, turn off power supply, and mobilize the armed forces. The, the Senate did not say no, but the Senate did not say yes. The the Senate instead passed a resolution that they called um, a quote call on the president of the Federal Republic of Nigeria as the chairman of ECOWAS to further encourage other leaders of ECOWAS to strengthen political and diplomatic options and other means with a view to resolving the political impasse in Niger Republic end quote. Now, of course, like I mentioned when I brought you this story, sanctions have already been issued. So, yeah, even though the the Red Chamber wants ECOWAS to you know, exhaust all peaceful avenues before you send in the troops, you know, maybe or even be before issuing sanctions, you know, just you know, calm down. Uh, but we've sure issued sanctions. Um, ECOWAS issued a seven-day ultimatum. That seven-day ultimatum expired yesterday. So now you have analysts saying things like, well... Uh, if ECOWAS, did ECOWAS force its own hand by itself? Did ECOWAS back itself into a corner? Because if your ultimatum has expired and ECOWAS doesn't take action after giving that ultimatum, is ECOWAS weak? Will ECOWAS appear weak? 
Nigeria's think tank, the government's own think tank, uh, the Office for Strategic Preparedness and Responsiveness, have uh, advised the president to be careful. They say that a military intervention aimed at regime change in Niger is costly and infeasible and would lead to catastrophically counterproductive consequences for West Africa. They mentioned three risks. Nigeria Republic could pull out of the joint task force. Uh, uh, Nigerians in Niger could become refugees. Instability in Niger could affect the entire nation. We'll take a break now. When we come back from this break, Lagos, let's talk about this story a bit more. And then let me also bring you update on the Lagos state government's investigation into the death of Dr. Diaso. I'm Sandra Ezekwesli. You're listening to Hard Facts on 99.3 Nigeria Info. Don't go away. I'm Sandra Ezekwesili and the police say they've made three arrests in the horrible, avoidable death of Dr. Vware Diaso. But we, uh, we still don't know the identities of the suspects. Also, the state government has told us the findings from its inquiry. I'll start by um, reading you the key decisions that the government says it has taken based on the findings. Quote, we have sacked and blacklisted the facility managers. The GM of La Siama is to immediately proceed on suspension. The operations and line of reporting of the facility managers have been restructured to involve the hospital management directly. We have handed the installation and maintenance contractors to the police for further investigation and likely prosecution if they are found culpable. The police will also investigate anyone else that might have been found to be negligent. Engineers are working to unravel why the safety devices of the elevator failed at the same time. All our staff are fully insured. We have informed our life insurance providers about this incident. The Lagos Safety Commission has been directed to immediately carry out an audit of all elevators in public offices. This is besides the usual safety arrangements that have always existed. End quote. So this statement came out over the weekend. Some negotiations are unhappy. Um, they think it doesn't go far enough. They're asking more questions. What are the names of the facility management company, for instance? Uh, they say it's not enough for the government to say that they've blacklisted them. They should name them publicly. Now, of course, the doctors, the colleagues of Dr. Diaso have named the facility company uh, um, themselves. They've named the facility company. They've named the facility manager. They've named the uh, procurements um, lead um, who should be uh, signing off on all of these maintenance. Um, the doctors have been naming these people. It's all over social media. But um, you have people who want to know the names of these people as named by the Lagos State government um, itself. Uh, people also want to know the names of the arrested contractors. It's not enough for the police to come and say, oh, these are the names. Well, what are their names? These are the people we've arrested. Well, who are they? What are their names? Then there's the question about um, previous maintenance of the elevator. The government is claiming that this was a brand new elevator uh, procured in 2011 but we've seen multiple accounts from doctors from the general hospital claiming that this elevator has been there for much longer and has been suffering problems for years. I've seen a tweet from as far back as 2018. So there's now a question of which account is correct. And even if the government account is correct, how possible is it that a two-year-old elevator, brand new, 
could malfunction this quickly? What's your take on the findings and actions of the state government's inquiry? 0700-993-993-993. At 5 o'clock, I'll have the colleagues of uh, Dr. Diaso join me on Hard Facts. And we'll talk about how they feel about um, the findings of the inquiry, the inquiry process so far, and um, um, how they are dealing with their loss. Um, over the weekend, they held a week for her on the premises. They also had some protests as well. So we'll talk about all of that at five o'clock today don't miss it zero seven zero zero nine nine three nine nine three nine nine three zero one four six five seven one nine zero and yes you can uh, still talk about our first story with the senate advising the president uh to pursue and prioritize diplomacy in niger um instead of um, anything else that the president would like to do as the chairman of ECOWAS. whatsapp is oh eight oh nine five nine seven five eight oh five we've got kenny here kenny thanks for calling us Hi, Sandra. Welcome. Good afternoon. First and foremost, I would like to ask, mm. where is Alex? He's been longer and head out. Probably mm. I'm not going. Yeah, well, she hasn't called in a while. She's probably busy with life, you know. Well, anyway, she told us she was going to uh, be away for a while, I, yeah. She was going to design a, a platform for our Alex, so probably she's busy on that. <laughs> Probably. I never recommend him and Mr. Andy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So about uh, you know, uh, the the stuff, I I think it almost seems to me like it's Nigeria versus Niger. Mm. And, uh, and you know when you have you know you remember when the last meeting when the president said Nigeria back. So it appears it looks to me as though President Yoruba likes to either appear to be very courageous or trying to impress some people because I really don't understand the whole interest of Nigeria in this fight. What is our interest? At least you can talk about France, you can talk about Russia, US interest. What is really Nigerian interest? Our interest is our trade, bilateral trade between these people and we are already cutting short all those bilateral trade interests for Nigeria. So what else is our interest in this fight? And then when you look at what is happening in Niger itself? I watched a video just recently on Arise, hmm. where the old, the old, the population of Niger, the citizens, they gathered in the old stadium, about thirty thousand capacity stadium, hmm. hearing this military coup is on. So, if the citizens are behind these people, what then is actually, what is actually, what are we doing there? What are we going to fight for? I don't, I really don't understand. I, I, I would really appeal to President Obama to really consider what he is doing and not invite unnecessary unnecessary catastrophe or unnecessary uh, baggages to Nigeria. And then for this Lagos issue, I, I really don't know. It, it's not until someone dies before they start, they start seeing people in action. And I, I can tell you, God forbid, but I know with the way Nigeria, Lagos go and Nigeria goes, something like this will still happen. And we'll just forget about this one and focus on that one. And I pray it doesn't, but with the recent frequencies that have been happening in Lagos and Nigeria, and this revolution seems happening, I, don't, I just pray it doesn't happen. Thank you, Sandra. I, I, I pray, please. Mm. Talk to President Kufo. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Kenny, for calling. We appreciate it. 99.3. Hello. Thanks for calling us. Hi, Sandra. Hi. I'm happy getting through to you. Yes, yeah. welcome. Good afternoon. My name is Florence from Lekki. Welcome, Florence. Talk to me. Okay, on the doctor's case, um, if I comment on it, so usually when you do a root cause analysis, you want to look at what are the underlying issues that cause this um, tragedy. Mm-hmm. As far as I understand, we shouldn't be focused on the um, 
machine area. Like, so machines are built to fail. Mm-hmm. So you know the whole elevator challenge and everything. But mm-hmm. the most important or the most triggering action for me is the human error. Right. Why would a hospital not have blood in supply? So these are the issues that we should focus on. Yes, it's okay to penalize the engineer or whatever the root cause is saying to but the most important factor there remains the fact that your hospital failed itself in providing blood. Mm-hmm. So machines fail. We shouldn't. We don't expect them to fail. But when they fail, we should always have something as a fallback as mm-hmm. a protective measure. Mm-hmm. So the fact that the doctor was even taken to the hospital alive and there was no blood to administer that is actually what caused the death of that that doctor. Not actually the machine. The machine trapping the child in the hospital. So that's my comment on the. Um, doctor's issues. Right. Then with the Nigerian Republic challenge, so right. Nigeria should be very careful. Um, we don't want our president putting us in a situation that Ukraine has found themselves. This is beyond just, um, some people are saying uranium, Nigeria has good abundance. As far as I want to understand, I think this is this NATO and um, European allies trying to diversify their gas supply. Because I understand there's a project that they've been, they've been working on on Channeling gas from Nigeria mm-hmm. through Niger all the way to Algeria and mm-hmm. to some European countries. And you know, with all this Russia war, they'll be looking for a way to diversify. And so they're trying to speed up that gas project. And you know, Russia, France has colonized Niger mm-hmm. and all these challenges with um, their economy. And France has not actually invested in that economy. So that's why I see when you see all these Western countries crying foul, you've colonized Niger for how long? How much have you put back? from your benefits into that economy. Mm. If not, they will not be crying that they have not been properly governed and the corruption has eaten up, taking control of all the um, all, all, all the affairs to benefit from. Now you see them trying to diversify, moving away from you as their colonial master, looking to alternative sources, which is what these Wagner, Prigozim people that have entered Mali and Burkina Faso have done. Mm. They have given them what their colonial masters could not do. And that's why Nigerians are happy because they feel that they have been they have been, they have been, they have been in abject poverty for a very long time, and they feel that this is their time to be liberated. So the previous, the previous government obviously was loyal to the European countries, and now someone has come through a military coup. Of what, of course, there are unconfirmed news that is being sponsored by Prigozhin's group. So Nigeria shouldn't get themselves as um, I know our president is trying really hard to legitimize his presidency. And I know that he has some form of alliance with the U.S. trying to legitimize his presence in Nigeria. He shouldn't use his own personal benefits to get himself into that, into that war that is about to loom. Nigeria, we don't need that. A war in, in Nigeria means a war in the northern Nigeria, as far as I understand, because it's the northern Nigeria that will suffer. Hmm. If there's a war in Niger Republic, all the bordering countries from Katsina to Sokoto, they would suffer. And you know it's also trickled down, down to the west and to the south. Look at even the ordinary... Boko Haram that has been there for over 10 to 14 years. Their, their infrastructure is they're suffering, schools, even, even protection, security support. No policeman wants to be posted to Katsina in, that, in those bordering countries, want to serve them. So can you imagine when there's a war in Niger Republic? It's going to trickle down Sanja into mm. all the northern states. So we don't need that support. Now, our president is trying so hard to gain relevance, being the ECOWAS president. And we know he's not even the, uh, the, his, his, his election is still in contention. So this is a very strong political game going on here. And we're just pleading with him. For the meantime, while he's still there, we don't want him meddling into the affairs of NATO, of Russia, of America, of France. We shouldn't get into that point. 
if Ukraine had 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 to think twice, I'm sure they would have done otherwise. That's mm. my com- com- contribution. Thank you, Florence. Thank you very much for cl- for calling. Now let me take you back to the weekend. I mean, all the stories we take a look at on the big weekend are the stories that broke over the weekend. And on Saturday, Nigeria Senate screened the CEO and co-founder of Hub. Uh, CC Hub is a tech business with um, um, expansions all across Nigeria, Kenya, and more recently, Namibia. And the CEO of the Hub was screened by the Senate. He's a tech guru. His name is Bosunti Jani, Dr. Bosunti Jani. And... um, um, it became quite the interesting process. So let me introduce Bosun to those who do not know him. Let him do his own introduction by himself. Your Excellency, uh, the Senate President, Senator Godzilla Fabio. Your Excellency, the Deputy Senate President, Senator Jibrin Barao. Distinguished members of the Senate leadership. A very special recognition for the distinguished senators from my own state. Senator Shuaib Afalabi Salisu, Senator Lamileko Adeola, and His Excellency, Senator Tumag Daniel, and of course, all other distinguished senators of the Federal Republic of Nigeria. My name is Dr. Latimo Sintijani. I'm from Itoko in Abelkudu South, local government area of the state. I was born in Agege, Lagos State, and happily married with three kids. I stand before this esteemed chamber today humbled and honored by the trust reposed in me by His Excellency the President, Bola Hamed Tinubu, GCFR, as a ministerial nominee of the Federal Republic of Nigeria. I extend my heartfelt gratitude to, to Mr. President for nominating me to serve in this crucial capacity and to the Senate for giving me the opportunity to present myself for screening. My journey into public service has been driven by a deep-rooted passion for our great nation and an unyielding commitment to its progress. Throughout my career, I have been privileged to witness firsthand the untapped potential and boundless possibilities that Nigeria holds. However, I'm I'm also acutely aware of the challenges that, that lie ahead of us. And it is with this sense of purpose and determination that I present myself before you today. At this point, I'd like to share a bit of context as to who I am and what I can contribute in support of Mr. President's agenda, of course, subject to your confirmation. Academically, I hold a bachelor's degree in economics from the University of Joss, a master's degree in information systems and management from Warwick Business School, and a doctorate degree in innovation and economic development from the University of Leicester in the UK. In addition, I've also attended several executive and professional courses in innovation, leadership, and economic development from institutions such as the Harvard Kennedy School of Government, Stanford University, and the Africa Leadership Institute. I am a fellow of the Center for Democracy, Development and Rule of Law at the prestigious Stanford University. And I'm also a Desmond Tutu Leadership Fellow. At the minute, I'm an adjunct researcher focused on digital epidemiology at the Nigerian Institute of Medical Research. 
and also an adjunct researcher with the VIT School of Governance in South Africa, with focus on driving the application of knowledge for enterprise and economic prosperity. My career path has taken me through roles with the International Trade Center in Switzerland, with Elet Packard also in Switzerland, and Para Innovation Network in the UK. I returned to Nigeria to co-found co-creation of in 2010 as Nigeria's first technology innovation hub, which has now grown from Yaba to become the largest technology, technology hub in Africa, with physical presence in Kenya, Rwanda, and Namibia. We also deliver projects and activities that reaches over 17 countries in Africa. I've also been privileged to offer my service in support of critical industry advisory groups in Nigeria and abroad, including as a member of the Presidential Advisory Group on Technology and Creativity, also as a member of the UK Advisory Committee on Digital Access Africa, as an advisor and committee member to the National Economic Summit Group on Science and Technology, as a member, current member of the Project Steering Committee of Lagos State Government Technology Cluster for Yaba, and more recently as a member of the Expert Advisory Group to the European Commission on Mainstreaming Technology and Innovation in the Relationship Between Africa and Europe. I believe and care deeply about the potential of Nigeria as a prosperous country that is driven by innovation. This has been a strong motivating factor in all I do, and I've spent the last 15 years contributing to deepening the technology innovation ecosystem in Nigeria and Africa through extensive collaboration with some of the world's largest technology companies and development agencies. I'm particularly passionate about enabling and supporting homegrown solutions to some of the most critical challenges in sectors like education, public health, agriculture, trade, and governance. An expression of this can be seen in my support to the work of young entrepreneurs like Temidu Atumbosun of LifeBank, Ifer Dara Johnson of Elstraka, Persinide of Stairs, Inyolu Aboyeji of Andela and Flutterwave, Jumokeda Da of Taylor, Io Isudeme of Wampot, and also Tega Iotim of Figure, among so many others. It is my conviction that we must prioritize the role of technology and innovation in raising the productivity level across our economy. We can leverage technology to increase the contribution of multiple sectors such as education, creative industry, financial services, manufacturing, agriculture, transportation, security to our GDP. <clears throat> Many of the prosperous nations that we admire have been built on a strong foundation for innovation. We are a blessed nation with significant young population, which is a critical resource for announcing the opportunities offered by technology and innovation in support of Mr. President's stated goal of building a prosperous Nigeria for all. My commitment to His Excellency, Mr. President, to you distinguished senators and indeed all Nigerians is to give my best with the same passion and conviction that, that, that I've demonstrated all my life to achieve the president's economic and prosperity agenda. I look forward to working with all stakeholders across government and the organized private sector to provide intentional support that empowers the cost <coughs> of our young population so they can continue to contribute to the achievement of the prosperous, inclusive, peaceful society that we all desire. Thank you, distinguished senators, for your time today as I look forward to working with you all to achieve our collective goals for our great nation, Nigeria. 
God bless His Excellency the President and long live the Federal Republic of Nigeria. Thank you. And uh, when he was done introducing himself, the senators were not very impressed. They spent a lot of time tackling him about his tweets. In the past, Tijani was very critical of the Buhari administration of the APC. Tijani also tweeted about his frustrations with the Nigerian passports. The senators said that they were offended by this and demanded both an explanation and an apology. Eventually, they approved um, his nomination. And some APC supporters are upset by this. They feel that um, Tijani's nomination is a slap in the face. One of them is Alabi Oladimeji. He went on Twitter to write long threads to party leaders. And he talked about how he helped to organize Defend Lagos so that he can stop NSAS protesters while Tijani was supporting NSAS. And, And this has sparked... It has sparked a lot of conversation online. These APC supporters, are they justified in feeling used and dumped? Or does this highlight one of the big problems in our politics where young people are spending their lives doing boy boy for politicians and not adding value to themselves i'm wondering if you watched that screening i just played his introduction so that you listen to um you know the this gentleman's background and then during the screening the senators were not even interested in asking him about his background they focused on his tweets if you watched that screening lagos what did you think of the way the senators approached Bosun Tijani? And what do you think about how he handled them? 0700993993993. We've got uh, WhatsApp 080 959 Hello, thanks for calling us. Hello, good afternoon. Good afternoon. What's your name, sir? Hello? Oh, that's unfortunate. Call back if you can. Azu Frank is here from Indonesia. Hi, Azu Frank. Good afternoon, Sandra. Good afternoon. Welcome. So while I was I just listened to the Tijani guy first time mm-hmm. while we were playing it. Okay. And he was while he was grilling out his C V. Mm-hmm. Man, that C V was intimidating. I Here know. they catch me for <laughs> as I be asking oh, like that guy knows his onions. Right. So look, let let's just put it here. Let's leave politics aside. Right. The guy to me is immaterial. And at this point, we need people that will fix the country. If there's anybody that will get or take a credit here, I want to give it to them, the president. Despite everything, let's put politics aside. We need great minds that will fix your country. I keep telling people, I think I've told you this before. In Indonesia here, the president, after the election, he goes into other parties. His opponent, in fact, his minister for defense was his rival as it was a very close call the guy almost won him in the presidential election but the guy is a general he knows his owners in the military stuff and he made it the minister of defense so we should leave politics aside those guys that are complaining that ah this guy no no they should work on themselves like you said and you know, make themselves better sandra do i have a minute to talk on other topics yes please go ahead okay please i want to talk about the um Nijay stuff my take on it is that echoes have only just shown their weakness and that is just 
the way it is. Um, I, I, I think ECOWAS is a community of West African states. How what has economic community got to do with political invasion and the whole stuff? Look, the message I think we should be learning from this is let us take a cue from EU. They have something similar. And what we have here is EU. And they have a parliament. I was asking myself today, oh, so ECOWAS says we should go in and you're going back to the Nigerian parliament and the Nigerian parliament is saying don't go. So what kind of confusion is this? It only shows how unstable and, you know, we don't really know what we are doing. I feel AU should have a parliament that everybody, sh that should be binding on everybody. And AU should be very, very strong. In fact, if left to me, ECOWAS should be scrapped. What is ECOWAS doing? How many, about 400 million people, what is the GDP, very doing nothing with the whole economic, economic community or whatever. You know, we are most populated black people sub in that sub-region, but there's nothing to show for it. It should be scrapped. AU should be giving um, it is. It should be very, very strong. It should be able to bite. Like, if AU says they are going in, it's going to be Africa taking care of African problems. And it's going to help us from all this interference, interloping, from all this Western stuff. They have the same thing in Europe. Africa don't contribute there because they know what they are doing. They have a parliament that will sit and they'll say, okay, this is what we want to do. But here, it's like we really don't know what we are doing. And sorry, the last one for the lady that, you know, the unfortunate lady that died. Unfortunately, we have to take a break. Oh. But Frank, thank you very much for calling to share your thought. 99.3 Nigeria Info. Your number one station for talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. I'm Sandra Ezekwesili. Let's go to uh, WhatsApp now and see the messages we have there. Sandra, my Niger friends are listening to your radio station right now. They're happy to see army take over their country. They're begging me right now not to allow Nigerians to intervene in their stuff uh, uh, because they're listening to your radio station conversation right now because they said they don't want war between their country. They want peace to reign between Nigeria and Niger. They said if it happens, they are ready to fight by all means. All right. Um, thank you for your message. I didn't see, you didn't have a name attached to that message there. Uh, Olu is in Badagri. Olu says, if Nigerians are saying ECOWAS should not go to war with Niger Republic, why are they now blaming ECOWAS for not carrying any action after seven days expiring ultimatum? I don't know why Nigerians are taking ECOWAS decision as Nigeria's decision just because Tinubu is their chairman. All right. Thank you very much for your message. Yinka is in Ifakoi Jaye. And uh, Yinka says, the ECOWAS region and their government should raise the bar as far as good governance is concerned. This should serve as a deterrent to incessant takeovers by military in the region. Although we cannot rule out influence of politics and ethnicity from this case of Niger in particular, just like a caller mentioned on your station and some reputable media and research have opined, but all in all, good governance will be key if we don't want the continuous hijacking of power by the military in the region and Africa in general. It's interesting when we see this because it's not as if the military come in and do a better job. The military come in, they abuse human rights the same way civilians do um, and they also ensure that no opposition can arise. They also ensure that uh, they cannot be held accountable. I will remind you every time we have this conversation that till tomorrow we're receiving a bachelor. Every day, our sugar daddy is sending us money from the grave. Every day. 
And those of you who are old enough to remember what it was like under Abacha, remember that there were no freedoms. You do anyhow, you see anyhow. At least civilian governments pretend to have a soul. And, and the only reason they can pretend to have a soul is because we can call them out. We can call them out on the radio. We can call them out on social media. You cannot do that under military rule. So stop repeating the PR and the propaganda of the military boys themselves. Because the military boys themselves are the ones who are telling you, oh, it's because of corruption we came and took over. Eh, you, call that you have taken over. How far accountability? How far leading the country right? As Nigerians who have actually experienced military rule, you get some conversations where we know suppose they have because we don't experience that. We experienced Buhari the first time, experienced Babangida, experienced Abacha. Ah uh ah. -uh. Let's bring you business news, Lagos. I'm Sandra Esdakwesteli.